If you're a kiddo, this is a chance for you to, I know, isn't this great? Y'all better sing along. Michael W. Smith is ringing a bell. Any of you, friends are friends forever. Keep it rolling. We got a little bit more time. You guys have fun. See you later. We got to wait till the friends are like the... Oh, you're, you gotta, we got to let it go to the, when it gets to the chorus. You want me to sing it for you? I could if you want. Here it is. Come on now, you all that are old and been in the church. Friends are friends forever. If the Lord's a friend of all. All right, anyway. Okay, there we go. I'm going to be embarrassed. All right. I'll tell you something embarrassing. I had this friend who I like idolized. He could sing, play the guitar, and we would sit in his room and sing this song and wish you were Michael W. Smith. Well, I don't wish anymore because he's an old man. So anyway, and so am I. But I had a revelation. Thank the Lord that our Christmas decorations are up because I was starting to worry and so that they weren't going to get up. Are you all okay? It's only November, what, 12th? But I learned something this year while decorating, and I didn't do this in the other services. I thought you were going to do something. Oh, all right. So we have a really pretty tree that we decorate that the kids aren't allowed to touch. Then we have the family tree. Do you know what I'm talking about, the family tree? It looks a hot mess. Well, anyway, that's the family tree that you, like, give each other ornaments. So I'm sitting there cooking dinner, right? Mind you, cooking dinner. We weren't camping. We were in the kitchen. Anyway, she cooked every day this week except one. Yes, I was making sausage and biscuits for dinner. And you were put, yes, hello, see, this is all truth. And she starts hanging these ornaments, right? And she's like, oh, this is the barbecue grill I gave you a couple years ago. And that's the year that you started using a thermometer so all our food wasn't burnt. I was like, huh. So she gave me that the same year I bought my thermometer. She hung that up. Then she pulled out another one and it had a little workbench. And she said, that's the year he started doing the projects that I wanted him to do. And she hung that one up. So then I recognized that the family tree is just a tree recognizing how I got her list done. You know what I'm saying? That's what I learned this year. So all, as she just kept, all these, I mean, that, that was really like, I thought I was good at all those things before that. But apparently, I wasn't as she eats her Cheerios. Well, this week, last week we talked about, hopefully you remember, but um, we talked about Jonathan. And I know most of us, we'd like to focus on David, but last week was about Jonathan and the support and the strength and the ability that he had to step aside so that the plan of God could be seen and known and fulfilled in David. Now, many would say and many preach these kind of friendships together. And and this week we're going to look at a kind of different friendship, but similar in the friendship between Barnabas. And at the time when they first meet, his name was Saul, eventually became Paul and a great writer and movement. He was a great writer and brought about a great move in the kingdom of God. And Barnabas was kind of behind that. And so I want you to turn to Acts chapter 9, um, verses 26. We're going to go to about 31. This is just a piece of their friendship and kind of the piece that we're going to hold on to today. So if you got your Bibles again, Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 26, if you would just uh, stand for the reading of God's word. 
Now you got to remember Saul, just a little bit of history, he was not a good dude. In fact, if you were a Christian of the day, like you knew him as a killer, you knew him as an angry person, you knew him as someone that you didn't want to meet. Just think about the people that met him at the time. He was killing Christians. He was having them stoned. He was having them put into prison. He was going after them. His mission was to stop the mission, the current mission of God. And so he was not like someone that the apostles wanted to just like, hey, let's be friends. In fact, he's kind of like that person that, because many of them, if you read what theologians say, many of the apostles would have had people that they were close with, that they were intimate with, that had come along the lines of Saul. And so imagine, right, someone that has just hurt you tremendously being brought before you to say, hey, we've got to accept them now. Well, wait a minute. They killed, or he killed, Stephen. Or he was the one that had my friend locked up. Or he was the, I mean, let's just be real. I think today you've got to read these scriptures in like a real scenario in your mind. If you were the apostles of the day, you'd be like, hey, don't bring him around here. What if he's just doing that to be like a Trojan horse? To act like one thing, but he's really another thing just to get into us. And and so when we read this scripture with that mindset, it's harder to receive it. And when he had come to Jerusalem, talking about Paul, he attempted to join the disciples And they were all afraid of him for good reason. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarshish. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it multiplied. God, today, help us. There's a great message in the character of Barnabas. Help us to see it Help us to hold on to it as believers. And most of all today, God, help us to live it out and to live it out in others. So today, come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. I pray right now that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. And God, just change our mindsets. Help us to become people like Barnabas. And so we come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we ask today that you would just be here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so Jonathan set up God's plan through his friendship in David. He basically set it up so that God could do his work in David. But what was great is Jonathan didn't just step aside, right? We learned that last week. He didn't just step aside and say, oh, well, then God's got nothing for me. No, he was still a great warrior and a great man of God. Here we come to Barnabas. He set up Paul. He was the one that, but... Barnabas. He was the one that came before the disciples and said, hey, no, I actually witnessed this. And then when you bring them together, they both saw. Can you say saw? Saw. Saw. There's a key here together. And both of them saw, Jonathan, what had kind of happened to David and how God was using him. So we saw God in and all David. 
and Barnabas, Saul, the Spirit of God moving in and on Saul slash Paul. Same thing. Barnabas willing to set up the plans of God in another person. So I think today, and this is going to be a stretch for some, especially if maybe you're more of an introvert, but today I want to ask you this question. First of all, do you see that God uses friendship? Do you see why last week when I started this and as we head into Thanksgiving, why it's so important that we as Christians be the example of friendship to the world? And then the specific challenge for today is, who are you setting up? Who are you setting up to see the plans of God come to be in their life? Church, if every person that stood or sat or moved into a church today had a heart that left and said, who am I going to set up to see the plans of God come to be in their life? Imagine what would happen in the world. And so today, the overall question, who are you setting up? All right. Let's, let's have some fun. If someone were to give you a name indicative to your personality, what would it be? What would it be? Just say it out loud. Oh, is it butthole? Maybe it's, I don't know. Did y'all hear that? Okay, I just got to tell you something funny. A couple weeks ago, um, my one daughter, not, not Janae, but my little ones came up and said, my sister's being a butthole. And I was like, where did you learn butthole from? And I'm saying it from the pulpit, right? But we all have a butt and there's a hole. But anyway, uh, we know that, right? <clears throat> anyway, um, I said, well, sweetie, where did you even learn that from? And she couldn't recall. Thankfully, I was hoping it wasn't from home. It wasn't from church. So I'm hoping it's from something else, right? Who knows? Anyway, um, imagine if that was your name, right? But you know what's crazy? Is there are people living today where when you think of them, you think that, whether you want to be biblical or not. Or maybe you think other things, right? And so today as you're thinking, let's just be real. I've I've done over 50 funerals and not every one of them was a celebration. Some of them I would go to them and be like, oh my goodness, I'm mourning, then find out nobody else was. Why? Because the names that they had for them were not names that I hoped for. Church, biblically speaking, names were given after a name was given. Well, let's have fun for a second. Um, if I said Honest Abe, you would say? Oh, all right. That was the weakest. But anyway, out of the three, if I was discussing the Chicago Cubs and I said Amazing Grace, I'm talking about Mark Grace. Okay, one person said it. All right. If I'm ta- this is a good one, okay? My favorite. If I'm talking, second favorite. If I'm talking about basketball and I say Air Jordan, I'm talking about? Yes, okay, all right, good. If I'm talking about the queen of country music, I'm talking about Dolly Parton. If Reba were in the room, I'd say Reba, otherwise Dolly, okay. If you watch The Voice, she thinks she's the queen, but I'd I'd say Dolly is, okay, I'm sorry. But anyway, let's talk about the Bible. Um, The meaning, oftentimes in the Bible, actually, it was given based off of character, personality, and destiny. Think about Abraham means father of multitudes. Jacob means cheater. It makes sense, right? Peter means rock. Nabal means fool. Naomi means pleasant. Delilah means sweetheart. See, names that were re-gifted and re-given, they were significant 
They had meaning. They were given for a reason and a purpose. Now, I'm a little offended, but um, Barnabas's name isn't actually Barnabas. Most of you should know that, right? Um, it isn't actually Barnabas. It's Joseph. I'm like, why couldn't they just change the meaning of Joseph, right? To make, because Joseph's a good name, isn't it? Oh, y'all, just say amen. Anyway, shoot, there's three and then four. My great-grandmother was, anyway, Josephine, but... His actual name was Joseph. He was uh, from the island of Cyprus. He was a Levite. Um, he was actually an early convert to the faith. In fact, uh, the first moment that we kind of get introduced to him, he does something significant, something that most of us wouldn't do. He's a convert. He is saved. He is brought into the kingdom of God. His whole mind, his whole life is changed. He goes and sells what he has, which was a field. He took all of the prophets, and you know what he did? He placed it at the feet of the disciples. So talk about immediately. He was just in and over and consumed by the movement of God. And so he places everything there. Acts 4 uh, verses 36 to 37. All that he owned, put it at their feet. And eventually his name went from Joseph to Barnabas. And it means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. So maybe today when I asked you like, what would your name be? If somebody else had an opportunity to, to give you a name, maybe your kid or your friend or your coworker, would they have used a son or daughter of encouragement? Would that have been the word that, and I think some of you here today, you are encouragers. And that's who Barnabas was. Let's talk about the birth of that name. The birth of that name and, and the way it's translated, it's talking about a person's gift. It comes out of Romans 12, verse 8. And uh, the Greek word is kind of interesting. I can't say it. I can never say those. Um, para, and they said it right in first service. Para, yes, thank you. Yes, Pastor Mark. Um, anyway, so there's the word up there. You can read it. Um, it. It actually has two words brought together. The first is para. That's easy to say, para. Think about the, the translation, it means alongside of. Alongside of. Interestingly enough, that, that makes a lot of sense. Have you ever in life had someone come alongside of you and encourage you and support you and step in for you and see for you and imagine for you and partner with you? Honestly, I think that the greatest moments in life are when people that don't have to, because there's some situations where we kind of have to, where people that don't have to come alongside you and say, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm next to you. Hey, I'm with you. Hey, I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna. The second half of this word, K-A-L-E-O, it's a verb meaning to call, to call. Interestingly enough, when you look at it here, it was like Barnabas' gift was to come along Saul. Actually, it wasn't just Saul. We'll talk about that in a minute. And begin to call out what he saw. How he saw it. And it all had to do with the movement of God. And so, it's kind of this idea of coming to the aid of someone, assistance, and in, in particular, and I want you to get this statement. It implies an ability to help someone in an area where they cannot help themselves. In an area where they cannot help themselves. What do you mean? Church, here's the deal. Saul could not 
convince the disciples otherwise. If you want to talk about like severe, like we're talking about like he was a murderer. He, he had people under his authority killed. Under his authority, I mean, awful things happened. And so there was no convincing that Saul could too. He already tried. There was nothing he could do to convince them to. Have you ever been in life where like you couldn't convince your family that you really did change? And somebody comes alongside and says, you know what? She, you know what? He, they really have changed. Like I've seen the difference. Let, let me give you a further example. It happens in the church all the time. My greatest discouragement and my greatest battle in church is this, and not just here, but every church and every pastor should have this battle. You come alongside someone. You, you see in them what God sees. You have eyes that, that God's given you to see potential in people that, that they yet to see, and then you begin to speak into it. And then you journey along enough that people in the church come and say, well, do you know? And I, I get to say, well, no, because I'm not from here. I believe that's partially why God calls people from other places to come into churches so they can see bigger and beyond. Well, you know, we'll look up or I get the link or I get the, the text with the link from the 20 years ago or the 15 years ago or the eight years ago. And hey, don't forget about or you better remember or this person. Because it's risky sometimes to come alongside people. And the greatest battle is you, you see victories and you celebrate and then the step back happens. And then the naysayers say, see, I told you, pastor, you shouldn't have. Yeah, you're right. And, and the next time comes along, a year later, that same person shows up. Hey, pastor, I, I need to, okay. Now I do it a little differently. Second time around, different barriers, different structures. We're gonna, we're gonna play a little differently here. But you know what I still do? Even sometimes, right, when it hurts me, I still do it. Why? Because God has called me to be an encourager, to see with his eyes and speak into. And sometimes it's a third and a fourth and a fifth. And the boundaries get different. Things change. But the key is, there's still something there. Barnabas was an advocate. He risked everything. Interestingly enough, when you take that word, it's also spoken of the para part in John chapter 14, verse 16, in referring to the Holy Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. The Holy Spirit comes beside us and says, hey, and you know what? I believe... And I hope you understand that oftentimes the Holy Spirit comes through other people. Have you ever gotten a text or a call or a card or an encouragement and it came from? And then when you say, well, how did you know? And the person says, well, I just, I just sensed it. I just, I just knew. The other half of that word, if you look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it's referring to Jesus Christ himself. So that word refers to the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, which is what? The Spirit of God working through Jesus Christ, working through you. So it's a gift. He's kind of like the greatest example of it. And what did he do? Well, he sponsored a very unpopular convert. I'm pretty sure he wasn't too popular. He sponsored a very unpopular convert. 
Barnabas basically steps in and he plays like a high state game. Well, what do you mean? The key is church that like he went to the people that he put everything at their feet. I think we forget this. Like this is literal lives. The Bible is lives. Like their lives are at stake. And he says, for the sake of what I saw in him, everything that I've already given, I'm going to risk it all. My friendships, my connections, my, because remember he gave it all to them. He had nothing left except what they would bless him with for a journey or for a, and he said, I got to risk it all because I saw. And since I'm an encourager, I can't, and so I've got to, I got to come before you and say, no, who you remember him to be isn't who he is. Have you ever found yourself defending someone who no one else will defend you can ask Carrie this. I get requests and things on, you know, Sundays and stuff. And then during the week, they're on my mind. And I try to like, and there was an instance just a couple weeks ago, or maybe, I forget, time flies. Anyway, it's already Christmas, so you know. Um, at least in our house, okay, y'all. Um, but uh, got a, a request. And then all week, like, worked on it. Finally got to someone, same person that this person had gone to. They ignored that person and said, eh, whatever I called and they said oh you're the pastor of and I said well yeah and they said okay well let me work on that and then it worked out you know why because they didn't want to hear from that person but okay if you're standing by them and you're going to make sure these things happen then we'll give some grace church we not just me are called to advocate Barnabas was an advocate Barnabas, man, risked all of his friendships, all that he knew. We forget there's a whole nother message in what he left. Have you ever found yourself defending someone who no one else believes in? Well, the key is Jesus believes in them. Will you? At precisely the right moment in verse 27, Barnabas steps in. Think about these statements. The early church looked at Saul and saw a problem. Barnabas looked at him and saw incredible potential. The early church looked at Saul and saw a problem. Barnabas looked at him and saw incredible potential. And if you're a God-fearing person who reads their Bible daily, who's seeking out every word as your life during the week, a good percent of what you read in the New Testament comes from who? Saul slash Paul. Church, much of what we read each week, much of what you read in your devotions, much of what happened in the move and missionary movement of God came through Paul. Even before going here, the gospel spread because of his message. Really the greatest movement, the greatest start of a movement. And so aren't we glad that Barnabas saw and then stood. Think about this statement. The early church saw what he had been. Barnabas saw what he could be. Many of you know where people have been. Are you able to see past that and see where they could go? See, that's what encouragers, that's what they do. That's where their heart is. He was quick to respond. Think about this. We always have new people coming into our lives. Maybe at work, 
Maybe even our families, as families grow and kids graduate and boyfriends and girlfriends. And I mean, new people are always being introduced to us. In the church, think about it. New families coming in all the time, crossing our paths. I think maybe a question we have to ask ourselves is, and this is just, do they know, do they know our heart? See, see, many of us would say, well, they should know the lingo, they should know the structure, they should know the... The key is they don't know our language, our structure, but they better know our heart. They better know that we're going to advocate. They better know that we're going to... They may not know the systems. And I want you to think about this statement. They don't need to know our systems, but they should know that we will paracaleo them. Meaning they don't need to know our systems, but they should know that we're going to come alongside and we're going to stand with them and we're going to hold them and we're going to see what they can't see. Now you say, okay, well, this is kind of fun, right? Well, you know, if you know much about the word, Barnabas and Paul did what? They separated. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Now, this is key for you to understand, okay? They did. At one point in their missionary journey, Mark, John Mark, as in Matthew, you're still away, good. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, had had separated, and and I don't really know what happened, and and I think Paul really didn't like it because they were on the missionary journey together, then all of a sudden, Mark was gone, you ever have that in life where like somebody's with you and they're just gone? Don't you love them? Yeah, right. Okay, anyway, like when somebody's with you and then all of a sudden they're not with you, right? And they don't give you an explanation and you don't know why and you're like, oh my goodness. And so it comes to the place again where it's time for them to go on a missionary journey and Barnabas wants to bring John Mark, as in Matthew Mark, and wants to bring him along, right? And then Paul says, uh, no, I want to bring along, now I'm kind of summarizing, I want to bring along so-and-so because I trust so-and-so and, you know, Mark kind of left us and so I'm really not, and they had a little disagreement. And you know what they did? They just, I mean, they fought, they told each other often, they talked about everybody after that, and for weeks, they, and it wrote, they didn't do any of that. Come on now, church. They didn't do that. Y'all should be stopping me. I was just going to keep on going. We don't see that in scripture, right? They're godly good people. All right, so we disagree, and we, we separate, and they went one way, and they went another way. What's crazy is later on, Paul even refers to Barnabas in a positive way. So they didn't like cut each other, and slice each other, and tear each other up on faith. They didn't do any of that. They just went their ways. And still had great regard for each other. Let's talk about this for a second. Had Barnabas sided with Paul, it would have not been his character to do it. It would have been outside of his character. Well, what do you mean? Well, who was the one that stood up for the down and out Saul? And so when it turned around and Paul was messing with Mark, had Barnabas sided with Paul, it would have been outside of his character. He would have been pushed to move away from his character. Many of us today in the world were being pushed to move away from our character. Sometimes even in the church, we're pushed to move away from our character that God isn't calling us to move away from. And so Barnabas, being Barnabas, stuck with who God had called him to be. Both journeys produce great things. If you put 
John, Mark, and Paul together, you've got about 14 books in the Bible and a good percent of the New Testament is right there. And there you've got Barnabas, the son of encouragement, supporting and encouraging Mark, supporting and encouraging Paul, but it was seasonal. I'm gonna take a small journey. Are you ready for this? Church, sometimes friendships are seasonal. Now, now sometimes church people get mad at me, right? For letting, letting people go, right? And that's hard, and I get that. I was reading this week about a theologian that talked about that, like sometimes church seasons need to end and they need to go places where like it's better for them, where they can be ministered to, where maybe this doesn't work anymore. That's okay. It's biblical. It happens. It was time for them to, it was for a season, but they didn't like, they didn't like, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't. They disagreed. God worked in both and it worked. And Barnabas kept being who Barnabas was, which was a son of encouragement. Now, did he get a a book written after him? Did he write a book? Did he? No. But just like Jonathan, he was in the back saying, hey, I I see it. I see what God's doing. And I see what Think about some statements. I'm just going to leave you with a few. Barnabas insisted on believing the best about people and he never held a person's past against them. Can you stretch yourself to believe the best and let the rest go? Think about these statements. This is an old statement. People become what we think them to be. You know, if you want a parent easy, just let kids be right? Let them be. Don't set up structures. Don't like do discipline. Don't read scriptures. Don't, I mean, the list goes on and on. But man, if you can see in your kids what God can see in your kids, then you will discipline. You will structure. It will be hard. You will spend the evenings. You will, you will, you will. Because you can see in them what they can't see in themselves. Think about this as a quote. If you treat a person as they are, they will stay as they are. But if you treat them as if they were what they ought to become or could be, they will become that bigger and better person. Barnabas, Saul, the bigger, the better, the movement. Church, we have to be people that see. We have to be people that see in others and step back and say, I'm behind him or her. I see what God is doing. Are you willing? Are you willing to see people through? Maybe let's say it this way. Who are you willing to bring through a season so they can enter into God's new season? Y'all like turtles? Okay, some of you got turtles in your house. Anyway, this is how I'm gonna close. I want you to think about this. Barnabas wasn't a turtle. Our churches today, I'm just being honest, and some of us fall into this, and we've got to start being real because the world is finding a way outside of God. We have churches today that were full of turtles. They managed their way out of their homes, came to the church, opened up, enjoyed, celebrated, worshiped. 
then went back home and fell right back into their shell. Church, we can't fall into our shell. We, we can't just... We can't just see and not do anything. We can't just see and not step. We can't just see and not stand up. Church, God doesn't need any more turtles. He has millions of them and they're changing nothing but themselves. God is saying, I need more than a turtle that'll come out of their shell and see what God is doing and speak into it. Because you know what, church people? My kids need more than me. I've told this to Whitney, to Pastor Joey, to others, that they need more than me. They need to hear from, because eventually I won't be enough. And if the church is full of turtles, then they're going to have a few words. Church, we are called to be a Barnabas. We are called to come alongside of and to call out we're, we're called to, you know what, sometimes get stomped on and step back up and say, hey, I'm going to set some boundaries up, but I'm willing to journey again. And, and just imagine if our churches were full of that today. Imagine if every church, a turtle didn't leave the church, what our society would be like. And so who are you willing to bring through a season so they can enter God's new season? And you know what? When the seasons don't match, and it's time for them, well, then let them run. Because you know what? Sometimes as parents, right, what do we want? I want this. I want my kids to run. Even though I really don't want them to, I do want them to, right? And you're building into them so they can like go and be. But they are always going to know where they can come. And so church, I don't know. Come on. See people. See around you. I keep saying it. Who are you seeing? Who are you partnering with? Who are you saying, hey, do you have anybody? I, I want to be that person. God, today we thank you for your words. God, we thank you for the life of Barnabas. Two words put together that describe your spirit and Jesus. God, my prayer is that people, when they see me, would just see you. So God, be with us, guide us, challenge us to not go out as turtles. And so God, challenge us to go out as Barnabases, brave and bold and willing to risk it all for the sake of your movement. God, we, we love you. We praise you. Bring us back together Wednesday night to celebrate just the thankfulness that we have in our hearts for you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us.